Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones and Ryan Burdick, my HVAC guy. (laughs) He's going to be in the background, folks. Don't worry. He's just putting grills on while we're doing this. Only professional behavior from us. (laughs) So, hey, what's up? So, dude, I cannot wait to hear about camp. So we let's go straight into Smack Talk. We got a special guest today. It's Don Stoner, maybe. smartest man we know. Maybe which isn't saying much. I'm just saying maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe indeed. Yes. So smartest uh, man we know forgets his phone. Who leaves his phone anywhere other oh, than he's the absent-minded professor? <laughs> yeah. He. If you guys don't know, he helped him in this little thing called the compact disc. Dude's like the mad scientist. But of course, he goes to record at someone else's house who has a good internet system. And forgets to bring everything with him. So that is the that is the Einstein who cannot remember his own phone number. If you know that Einstein never never could remember that stuff. So absent minded professor. Uh, if you think about it, how often do you call yourself? You know, you can forget your phone. <laughs> I'm just saying. I would have never thought about that being the reason, but that's quite good. So, all right, man. So let's go ahead. Uh, so, okay. So Pete, you were uh, torturing children. I mean, you were at summer camp this week. Someone thought it was good for you to actually be a camp guide. So I, I got to hear this, man, because I, I may have say. even prayed and fasted, you know, so that for the kids or, or kids would not have died this week because I was convinced you were going to kill somebody. Dude, what's funny is the, uh, the children's pastor, she was, uh, one of the counselors for the girls. So the girls had two counselors. The boys had two counselors. And of course there's like 250 kids there. Right. So we're just talking about our wagon. Literally we sleep in a, a covered wagon. And uh, so I'm talking to, uh, to the children's pastor and uh, she's like, 
Oh no, you, you're doing great. I mean, you're, you're, you're taking care of the kids. You're making sure they don't fall off a cliff. And I go, well, you know, if I'm going to be honest about it, five of them could fall off the cliff. I'd be okay with it. It's just the one kid. That's my kid. He can't fall off the cliff. And she goes, you're not supposed to tell me that you're not supposed to tell me that. <laughs> that's so rad. Uh, let me tell you how to be a camp counselor. <laughs> oh man, dude. I'm telling you what the funniest thing you look to me happy. is. You looked happy though. Let's oh. let's not let's not lie. I mean, either you're just a really good actor when you're posing for pictures, or you were actually a little happy. Oh, I love going to camp. That that was fun for me. But here's the thing. So this for those of you who know what Hume Lake is, this is wagon train. It's literally like on the side of a mountain. So you're always walking up and down a mountain. Everywhere you gotta go. You gotta go to chapel up a mountain. You gotta go to the bathroom up a mountain. You gotta, you know, go down to play a game down the mountain. So I'm training, as you know, for a powerlifting competition, which I'm doing the mock competition this what? week. And wow, man, that's, it's all going on in the Jones house today. That's Andrea. The, the podcast is lit today. For those of you who are just listening, you. you don't know what you miss when you don't watch it live on Facebook. <laughs> and uh, I, so I'm training for a powerlifting competition. And I'm not kidding you. By Monday, like we got there on Sunday. By Monday, my legs are killing me. I'm like, I'd never been in so much pain just from walking up and down the stupid mountain, my knees swelled up. I was like, okay, I'm getting too old for this, clearly. So it Dude, was what it so was. Rad. That's rad. Was was. I, I love, I mean, I just cannot tell you how comical it was to me that you were on this thing. Well, I did tell all of the staff at the end of the week on the bus ride home. I go, look, if there's one thing I learned from this week, it's that I'm really glad I don't work in children's ministry. <laughs> no kidding, right? Yeah. No kidding. Wow. Not not I'm not cut out for children's ministry. And the 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 children's pastor she goes, I just need you one week a year. Just one week a year. <laughs> Come be a counselor. Keep it together, man, for one week a year. You don't have to do Wednesday sessions, Wednesday night, just the one week a year. I'm like, that I can hang with. You better hope they don't ever get a hold of the church planner podcast. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I had to put that down on my application, you know, what do you do oh, I, I, at the time? Cause this was like uh 2019. I was filling it out for 2020. I'm like, Oh, you know, I run uh, church planner magazine. Uh, I co-host church planner pockets. I'm a respectable person. Speaking of magazine, little did they know. Speaking of magazine, speaking of respectable people, do you know about, do you know I'm on the cover of Outreach Magazine? On the cover? You on made the, the cover. cover. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I'm like Christian famous now. Did, did I get a, a two-page acknowledgement like I did in your book? No, but I did notice that when Ed Stetzer made his announcement, he actually, rather than posting the picture of the recent one that just came out this week, when he posted this morning, he posted the cover with Tim Keller on it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So you didn't even get the props you were looking for. I didn't get the props, but I think I'll go add a comment. Oh, Ed, let me just say, I am extremely honored to be on the very first issue with you at the helm, my friend. I'll probably do something like that. Is he at the helm of that now? Dude, he he's like, remember that in living It's going downhill sketch? now, buddy. It's going downhill. Yeah, he'll he'll actually rock it. Um the guy, the guy who led it, and we've talked about this, his name is James Long. Really nice dude. I mean, you could not love James Long. Um, and it, he actually emailed me the morning he died because we were talking about the the issue. 
So it was really Wait, kind of strange. Someone emailed you the morning they died? Yeah, James Long, the, the guy oh. who is the managing editor of Outreach. He emailed from? me the day he died. What did he um, die from? It was a heart attack. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, he emailed me that day. So it, it was a bit surreal to to get this email. And it was a really nice email. Like it was like a Did you get the email first or did you hear the news first? No, I got the email first. And it was kind of like he he was saying like um you know, he was just like he was being so nice. He was like, dude, you know, I I, I can't believe when I lived in Carlsbad that we overlapped a few years and we never met and would have been really cool to have gotten to know you. I can't believe I let that opportunity get by, yada, yada. And then um, it was just really sweet because I was I was just starting to say, hey, now that I'm out of the textbook, I'd like to start writing for you guys a little bit more. And um, yeah, so it was a little bit sad. Wow, that's crazy. That's, hey, uh, you have to you have to talk for a second because Don Stoner is calling right now. Our our guest is calling us. I think so you should let just me put him this. on the podcast. Just hold the phone up to the mic, and uh, oh, of course he turns it off. All right. Well, let me let me pause the audio version. Uh, what were you going to say, Peyton? Well, I was going to say, boy, did you podcast listeners miss quite the uh, the the rodeo that we just went on. We now have Don Stoner, our guest, who is appearing as Karen Klecker. But uh, <laughs> don't let that bother or distract you. On the podcast, you can't see that. But boy, Facebook Live, you're in for quite a show today. During the time that we stopped recording so that uh, we could get Don on, um, the Facebook Live was going. And Pete was just saying that what we're going to do in future is we're going to start taking questions. Because I don't want to keep coming up with topics that um you know we've hit or burned or here comes that stupid train facebook live gets to see the train today oh no it doesn't no no my cabinet's too big my computer cabinet didn't allow that the train does exist trust me it's like god you can feel it you have faith in it it's there you know you don't have to see it but anyways uh, but you know the effects of it so uh, what I was going to say is that um, we do want to start taking your questions so that uh, it doesn't matter. Like if the whole episode is filled up with answering the burning questions you have, we want to take those. So uh, we're going to try that for a bit. Uh, it's going to be an interactive, responsive podcast. And uh, that's what we'll do. But uh, until we do that. Do you think anyone listens guest. to the podcast? I'm just going to ask. I'm no, listening. definitely not. Yeah, Don's listening. You know, it's wow, it changed one, his baby. name to Don Stoner. Look at that. What? Okay, okay, Don. Now, here's here's the thing. Don will tell you he's not that. He can build computers. He can build robots. And I'm not even making that up. But And he can teach you how to build a robot. He can teach you how to build a computer. But Don actually, uh, he'll tell me, oh, I'm not all the, you know, all that up on all this, like, modern computer technology stuff. But just to give a little bit of background, Don, you can give us your full biography, but I already mentioned you had uh, helped build the compact disc. Your dad helped build the atomic bomb. He was also a crazy mad scientist, right? Um, That is correct. Specifically, he was a crazy engineer. Did you happen to get a share that I sent? Yeah. That's a computer I'm designing right now. Actually, it's two of them. Uh, The two on the right are two separate target computers. The one on the left is just a Raspberry Pi that I'm using for my development system. 
I don't know what a Raspberry Pi means, but I'm sure it doesn't mean what I think it means. (laughs) Oh, well, you can't eat it, obviously. It's a a small, cheap hobbyist computer, and I'm using it because it's open source, and it uses the same processor as my target computers do. And now I'm speaking over some people's heads, I'm afraid, and I need to drop this and move on to something else. Well, hey, you sit back, put your seatbelt on, and let us drive, because we're in for a bumpy ride today. We've got Don Stoner. He is going to, at times, get some air, and he's going to go a little bit higher than the average intellect and and mind and brain can comprehend. He's still below God's level, but Don is a good friend and a ministry partner, and also, uh, Pete and I used to go to church with him. And it was great having Don at any interactive event that had to do with skeptics because Don swims with the sharks. He is in a regular cohort and group of scientists. He is constantly talking faith. He'll tell you more about that. But really, to be honest, I mean, Don is kind of the, 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 the go-to guy for me when I want to hear about, you know, how to talk to skeptics. Um, it's something he does. It's not something he just talks about. It's actually something he does on a regular basis. And he's respected within the communities that he speaks in. So we're going to dig a little bit in today about how to have those chats. And we're going to have you for a few weeks now. And I uh, think because- you said he was a heretic, right? Peyton. Oh, absolutely. Well, let me tell you this. We were joking around because uh, the, the, the way I met Don Stoner, and this will tell you something about Don. Don is rad, right? He's a funny dude because he's smart, but he's also a bit of a punk, which is why we like him because we're punks and, you know, birds of a feather. The first time I ever met him, I was uh, uh, pretty big for my boots. I was a young 20-something. <laughs> I think I was 25 years old when I met Don. I was the interim pastor originally at a mega church that a good friend, a mutual friend, uh, Bill Welsh ended up taking. And, uh, and Don came along and we were standing in the lobby of the church. And here I had been the interim pastor. I'm the assistant pastor. Like I said, I was a little big from my boots. And, uh, Don Stoner came up and said, uh, Hey, and we just started talking and he said, you know, I was going to ask you, what do you, what do you think of that Don Stoner guy? Now, um, Don has a rad book uh, about old and new earth. It's a new look at an old earth and it is fantastic. It is such a well-written book. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. But anyways, I had been given this book by our mutual friend, read through it and had skimmed it, to be honest. I hadn't read it yet. Had I read it, I would have said maybe something a little bit different. But he said, what do you think of that Don Stoner? And I said, well... I know he's a heretic. And he goes, oh, he, you sure about that? And he pulls out his wallet on the spot, pulls his driver's license out, and hands it to me. Oh, my gosh. You want to talk about being about two inches, one that's a little generous, one inch tall. Within a second, he got me. And it was rad. And we, we started a friendship. I would say from, from that moment, I liked him. I was like, okay, you got me. And I don't remember what I said, Don. You, you probably don't remember either, but it was, it was a lesson I will never forget. <laughs> well, I apologize for that. Please don't. He needs all the lessons he can get. Trust me. Yes. Yes, indeed. He knows that. He's been a part of one of our church plants. He knows that all too well. So I'm not the one who got bit by the pit bull. No. <laughs> that was, oh, yeah. Hey, that's your other claim to fame. Actually, 
Uh, Debbie, your wife is, is more famous on this podcast than you are because we frequently <laughs> reference the day our Sunday school teacher got bit by a pit bull. And that was your wife. That was my wife. I got to spend the rest of the day with her. That was, that was the day. Oh, oh, see, <laughs> and then you had to go do that. No, I didn't have to. <laughs> That's our funniest story. Fun. You can't. No, but I remember telling Debbie recently, uh, our, our thought at the time was of all the people for it to bite. We're so fortunate that the dog bit Debbie. <laughs> Debbie is probably the one person true. in the world that would not sue us for this. And, uh, and she did not. And so you, and now you, I can only say it because there's a statute of limitations. I was just going to say, <laughs> are you sure the statute's run out? <laughs> I counted quickly. It's worth, it's worth pointing out, actually, that um, she was apologizing for the dog's misbehavior and explaining that it was her fault. I don't know if you recall this. No. She actually provoked the dog, is mm. the way she tells the story, Aww. because she sized the dog up and decided that he might be trouble walks over the dog and puts out her hand like you're supposed to do, knowing that this dog didn't look like a normal dog and it didn't look like it was going to behave properly. And the dog latched onto her hand as she expected it would do. And so when the dog bit her, she said, okay, this dog I sized up correctly, but I did provoke the dog. I got into its turf and I knew this was going to happen. So she was defending the dog to me that day and everyone else who was giving it trouble. But, but you know, what's amazing about your wife is it, it, a lot truth of things be told she, yes, indeed. But truth be told, what she was doing was probably protecting the kids. That's how the I, parents I had of never... all of her kids read it. I have never thought about it from that perspective because I didn't know that part of the story. That's actually pretty dang amazing. She went up there and put herself in the way of that. And, and of course, dog had to go home, so it didn't bite yeah. any kids. So, man, did we dodge a bullet. Those parents went to bat for her every chance they had after that. Yeah. They, they caught on. They all saw it. Um, wow. A lot of people are in our corner because of that. Wow. Well, uh, I mean, mean, we... Hey, your dog fights with the dogs and you swim with the sharks. Let's talk a little bit. Give us give us a little bit of your background um, in in science. Um, apparently, your man likes to, to do a tango of death with science. I don't know what that means. It just sounded good. But oh. tell us a little bit about the dance you do with, with science. Well, I'm not, not sure who I am, actually. I have an identity <laughs> crisis. When I was in high school, I thought I liked math and electronics. A lot of electronics was my hobby. And I, I took a physics class, and my physics professor sized me up and entered me in a statewide physics competition. Actually, it was California and Wyoming both. And I placed fifth, uh, tied for fifth overall in the competition. And I thought, oh, maybe I'm a physicist. So I decided to major in physics and, and went for four years and decided it was kind of boring. I, I, I did eventually, 20 years later, receive the degree. I, I left one unit shy of graduation, left the college and joined the ministry. I thought that was more fun. But, um, but the, the physics really wouldn't wait. It was part of my life. One of the reasons I never went back to school except to get the last one unit in the degree is because it, I found out I could learn faster outside of school. Mm. You just go to the library, you bring your camp chair with you. They let you walk into the stacks with it. I, I know that because I tried it. No one ever stopped me. 
and you set up camp in the stacks and you pull the books out and stack them on the floor around you and get good and comfortable and you can spend eight or 12 hours there with no one bothering you because for some reason this isn't a popular place. You don't have crowds to deal with and you just knock out the sections one after another. And that, that was how I worked my way through the 500 section of the library and kind of became a, a dangerous enough to get myself in trouble in any, any field of science. You know, pick one and challenge me on it if you've got a degree in it. And, and I'll give you a hard time with it. I, I won't be able to, to run circles around you or anything. But I'm a heretic in just about all the different fields and know where the, the soft spots are and can give just about anyone hard time in their own field. That's science, but it turns out uh, I was right the first time. Electronics was my field. I have three patents. They're all on electronics and computer engineering. Never went to college for that. That's cool. That's very cool. Well, um, one of the coolest things about you is you once were uh, in this because I'm a toy geek. Uh, I just think this is amazing that you actually did work for Mattel once upon. I just got to throw that in there. It has nothing to do with anything. But I did five years of hard time there. <laughs> At El Segundo yes. in, uh, outside of L.A. And um, I've actually been there. And, the design uh, center or the tower or? No, I went there. I went to the shop. That's as far as they, they, they let me go in. Um, I think it was about the time they came out with the Back to Future hoverboard. Uh, and, mm -hmm. I, and I decided to go down and look. They had some event and I went down there. I had never been. It was a little bit like a pilgrimage to Mecca for me um, because they make all the cool DC toys and everybody knows I'm a DC nerd. So I went there, but anyways, um, yeah, but you did all the like computer, uh, things like that. They stuck inside of toys, right? Yeah. The, the little chips on those two computers I had, had up earlier were toy chips. So rad. You can, you can put, uh, I don't know how far back you go. Did you ever have an Apple or a Commodore 64 Apple II? Yes. So, yes. Okay. The, those computers will run circles around your Commodore, your Apple, those teeny little ship computers. Wow. You can bury those inside a toy and not raise the price of the toy significantly. So I'm trying to target the computer geek robot uh, child so they can build their own Nerf uh, targeting system with a little computer that they learn to program and hook up to their robotics themselves. Nice. Well, hey, our topic today is science and the Bible. So what we're hoping is you'll put some kind of weird computer chip in us, right? Oh, and, okay. and you'll make it so that we can we can function at a new level. So we I want to warn you, my medical skills are a little on the weak side. You may not want me messing around. Don't with worry. Your... I'm an RN. I got this. Oh, I know how okay. to do bandages and crap. So we're good. good. <laughs> but uh, Don, so... Uh, it, our audience are church planners, so they're on the front line all the time. They're constantly talking to people uh, outside the faith. Um, they're interacting with people that are bringing new and different ideas. One of the common things, as you know, is science in the Bible, that people think that they are at odds. So I, I don't have any preconceived idea of where you want to go. I, I figure you'll tell us what a heretic you are. Uh, you'll talk to us about the age of the earth. You'll talk to us about how to approach things like evolution. Um, and, and talk to us in general about science and the Bible, maybe to kick off, like, are they at odds? Why or why not? 
Well, it depends on what you mean by they. Uh, uh, defining your terms is a, a real sticky issue here. Uh, what That's what we mean? have you for. That's okay. what we have you for. What you define you mean, them for us. <laughs> what do you mean by the Bible? If you're thinking that the King James Bible is good enough for Paul the Apostle, therefore, hey man, it's there's good unicorns for me. in those Bible in the King James Bible, and they could have been real. Well, um, according to Isaac Asimov, anyway, on my read through the 500 section, uh, the term was actually a, a nickname for. A, call, a kind of cow they call the one horn because of an angle that you looked at it and it looked like it had one horn instead it. Two. Okay, so now you've ruined unicorns and my I'm Debbie sorry, got by Peyton. a pit bull story. Yeah. Okay, all right. I, I don't know if this is going to go to three episodes now. You're on thin ice. <laughs> I'm just saying. You're on probation. Yeah, this will well, not go on your permanent record yet, but I'm not I, about I am sorry I read a book by Isaac Asimov, but that's how I, that was my guide through the library. About every three, four feet through the library, he's got a book. And when I would move to a new section, I would first look, well, first of all, you always want to re read the book with the largest print for the author's name, because that's going to be a good book. And his name always full, covered the full front cover of the book. So I'd grab his book and I'd blow through it. And then I'd lean back and look at the section. And I had already been introduced to all the main players and I'd know whose book to read. And after reading a few of those and then using their lead to pick a few more, I knew my way around that section of the library. So that's how come I happen to know what obscure little tidbit Isaac Asimov had to say about the unicorns in the Bible. Well, that's pretty cool because I think just like you brought up, you know, what do you mean by the Bible? There are different different uh, versions of the Bible. But there's also, you know, science is in, a, in an interesting place, isn't it? Where um, even Same physics, deal. Actually, yeah. in, in the 1960s, we started using computers to help us in science. And that was a turning point and the whole world changed. I have a stack of books here. One of them is, uh, I don't know if you've heard of this silly little book here. I have, Shark. yeah. Yep. That came out in 1970, right after the breakthrough. He uses the word computer, I think it was 54 times in the book. And uh, the word software gets used once, the word internet never, because, of course, it was still an idea in the future. Al Gore had not invented it yet. That's correct. <laughs> and the quotation marks are incorrect there. <laughs> Um, that, there's quotations uh, around most things concerning me in, yeah, involving correctness. He, he, uh, Alvin Toffler, or Toffler, I guess is how it's pronounced, made a lot of predictions. He was wrong about half the time, but he was amazingly right part of the time. And of course, future shock is like culture shock, except we're moving into the future. Right. And his theory was it's going to nail us all, but we're 50 years down the pike now. And it turns out most of us learn to cope with it quite nicely. We carry these little computers in our pockets, and we can look up anything on the internet. Had I not known about the unicorns in the Bible, I could have looked it up on the internet and had an answer to that in a few seconds. Instead of off the top of my head, I prefer off the top of my head if I can do it, though. So, um, the reason I'm bringing this up is under this huge stack of books, which I'm about to spill on the floor, is the follow-up book 50 years later called Aftershock. Wow. And it's a bunch of Toffler's buddies getting together and giving mm -hmm. a 
an autopsy report on the book and what things worked and what things didn't, one of the things is this whole culture change and how it's affected the language and how we talk about things, which when compared to the Bible, it's, uh, it's uh, traditional wording. We still carry around our old 160, whatever it was, edition of the Bible. Of course, if you had a real 16, what was it, 1609? I don't remember. I have one on my shelf at home, but I'm, I'm not at home right now. Uh, it's hard to read. The, the characters are different. The grammar isn't as clean as the pocket edition of the King James Bible. But even the King James Bible that we carry is, is a little archaic and translations like um, oh, words like apostles, Let's see if I can remember AP, apostles, prophets, evangelists, uh, shepherds, shepherds and, teachers. and teachers. Well done. And you use in, in your, your book repeatedly. In fact, half of the book is about those. Mm. Uh, four out of five of those words are archaic. They're Greek. They're not translated. You left them in the Greek. An apostle is a messenger. A prophet, uh, I can go a lot of different directions with it. Uh, an interpreter would be a good general word for it. An evangelist is an announcer. A shepherd would be, oh dear, can I do this one? Um, Counselor? Not exactly, more of a guardian. So, okay. Somebody who has a, a general feel for it. And teacher, this like time that. it got translated. It should have been didaloskos <laughs> uh, did or something like that. I don't remember the Greek word for it. But if we had used the original word there too, people would have had this idea that a teacher was somebody who taught archaic things that are no longer relevant because that's how the word would be used in public practice. Pastors or shepherds, those are things that are thought of in archaic ways. Um, guardians are not thought of in archaic ways. You, you have a pistol on your, your belt and you're watching out for the crowd. They understand you differently. If you're a, a messenger, they understand you okay. differently than if you, you say just you're made the shepherd cool. You just made the shepherd cool, and I he's was, like the least cool one in the apex. Well, oh, I'm a shepherd. Who knew that I'm a shepherd? <laughs> that's because you're, the the apex is using archaic words, and we're not relating to the new group of people that are computer literate from the get go because we use archaic terminology. When we say God is a spirit. We are announcing that God is a make-believe entity that uh, floats around and haunts houses and sits on a throne in the clouds and does that kind of thing. What God is is closer to quantum mechanics than he is to our archaic version of a spirit. Uh, you probably haven't spent a lot of hours falling asleep in quantum mechanics classes at seven to nine in the evening. I don't like think you I can have. fall asleep in quantum mechanic classes. No, it is possible. No, those are just <laughs> exciting. Those are literally the most interesting classes. Well, it turns out if you're doing the math with the psi functions, you can psi yourself a little bit, if you'll excuse an unforgivable pun. Um, it I didn't get, get it. It was too smart for me. So oh, that one psi function, psi is a Greek, a Greek letter that you use for the wave function. 
Yeah, Peyton. Come Pete, on. Pete didn't get it either. Come on. Okay. Come on. <laughs> yeah, first yeah. Pete got it. I know Pete. <laughs> <laughs> this is why Pete's other people's pastor. Now it's all coming to, to, to make yeah. sense. But, you know, uh, let me give a quick shout out. Like, this is fascinating. I don't want to interrupt it too much. But um, for those of you that don't know, Don was the guy in the credits on Church Plantology, cha-ching, where I mentioned he was the greatest of the three. There were three who were mighty, to quote the mighty men in, in, in the Bible. But Don did the bibliography. I would not have finished that book without Don chaining himself to my desk, braving the 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 lockdown oh. in COVID safety, safely, safely. But um, yeah, so uh, big shout out for that. That's why Don's talking so much about the APES because he actually was a part of helping to create that book. So, but uh, yeah. So, anyways, okay, so. Uh, back at this though, you said God is more like uh, quantum mechanics, and I'm I'm so fascinated by that, and in this idea of of using more applicable. You're talking about contextualization of the Bible, which is a missionary hashtag church planner thing. So I think we're all ears for this. Okay, um, you uh, seen the pilot episode of the Big Bang Theory? I finally had to, to watch that because everyone was talking about it. So so these two guys, uh, what are their names? Um, somebody Cooper. And, Sheldon, right? Yeah, Sheldon Cooper and somebody Hofstetter. They use last names from famous guys. So I, I remember their last names. Leonard, right? Leonard Hofstetter. It's actually Douglas Hofstetter. I like Douglas Hofstetter's book, but I can't remember Heisenberg. Leonard. The Heisenberg. Heisenberg. Is, Heisenberg? Yeah. Is that one it's, of the characters in Big Bang Theory? No, but he's in it's what the uh scientist, the chemist, uh the chemistry teacher in what's the name? Breaking Why am I blanking? Bad. Breaking Bad. He calls himself Heisenberg. That's his his street name as a drug overlord. Say oh, my okay. name. I don't know about any popular culture. I know about the original Heisenberg. But this is what they see, this is what's great about <laughs> you, is I wouldn't have gotten that. And you do. This is awesome. <laughs> okay. Um Anyway, okay, Leonard and um, Sheldon are walking upstairs, and Sheldon's prattling along about some kind of experiment where you, you look at it one way and the thing's behaving like a wave, and you look at it another way and it's behaving like a particle. This is quantum mechanics that he's talking about, and it's Wheeler's delayed choice experiment, and he's explaining it beautifully. They must have actually dragged the, the actor through it so he would understand it well enough to tell the story without tripping on his tongue or anything. And at the top of the stairs, Leonard says, well, what's your point? And he said, oh, no point. I was just, just thought it would be a good idea for a t-shirt. And of course, it's a 15-minute dissertation with all kinds of complex quantum mechanics in it that you're having trouble mounting on a t-shirt. But it's, um, imagine, the reason for bringing this up is imagine you're trying to witness to these guys. Hi, Leonard. Hi, Sheldon. I ran into them in the halls where I hung out, but uh, but anyone that you meet that is at all scientifically trained is a little bit like those guys, if what you are is a street Christian. How do you talk to them? You, you have to speak their language. Paul had to use Greek culture, as you explain in great detail in your book. He knew Plato, he knew Socrates, he knew Aristotle, he used... Aristotelian logic, which was still being taught in universities when the steam locomotives were trekking people around. It wasn't until 
Boolean logic showed up, though, that computers were possible because Aristotle's logic wouldn't have worked in a computer. There was one little glitch that needed to be fixed up first. But that's, I'm getting off on another tangent. I'll stay on tangents the whole time if you let me. Um, my point is, how do you talk to these guys? Since the 1960s, when science started getting uh, launched forward by computer assistance and quantum mechanics just uh, went all over the place, the Wheeler's delayed choice experiment that Sheldon was explaining was one of the discoveries. And what it basically said, that the, the bottom line is that when the, the experimenter looks at the experiment and decides how he's going to make the measurement, he changes the past. His decision, his choice, his thought is something that affects physics at a level that Newton would have screamed bloody murder over. And by Newton, I'm referring to the old classical mechanics, Newtonian mechanics, that, um, that during the enlightenment, and I use that word in quotation marks, we thought we'd figured everything out and had it reduced to Newtonian mechanics in the period between 1970 and the present, we figured out that Newtonian mechanics was all wrong. Actually, we figured it out earlier, but in, in this period of time, it spread to the culture. And we all know that thoughts are somehow magical, but we don't use the term magic because that's an old, old cliche term. Instead, we use quantum mechanical in in the, uh, the Aftershock book, there's a fellow who says, it looks like religion is coming back. Fortunately, it's not that old-fashioned Bible story stuff. It's a new spiritism that, that all us New Agers can get into. Because physics allows for all the spooky, ghosty, woasty stuff. It allows for a God that created the universe. It allows for us to talk to that God right next to us. It allows allows for us to make miraculous choices. In fact, in one uh, Wheeler thought experiment, you can, how long do I have? You're looking around like I, I might be rattling for too long here. No, that's because my finished carpenter came in and he was looking. For oh, okay. So, All right. Sorry. Uh, I was looking to interrupt to myself. It was in fact you... in here. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, okay. The, okay. Chaos of, theory is okay. operating in my house at all times. Well, that's good. Assuming you have a quasar in space located right behind a giant super galaxy and light is shining around the galaxy with gravity bending it back to where you're sitting on Earth so you can see this quasar off to the side of the galaxy even though it's really right behind it. And um, the quasar hiccups or something, maybe a, an extra mass of stars collides with it or something and it makes a little pulse. You see a little burst there. That burst happened depending on how far away that galaxy is billions of years ago and you can see the little burst. Now there are some times where the gravity bends the light from different directions and brings them all back and so you see different things in your field of vision that you can aim your telescope at that are all the same object. But the light follows different path lengths and gets there at different times. So in one case, there were five pictures of a galaxy, five images in the sky of one galaxy, and somebody saw a supernova in one of them. And then somebody saw the same supernova in another one of them. And they thought, wait a minute, and they 
they did some math and figured out how long the next supernova was going to be and in which galaxy, and they aimed their telescope at it, and they had the camera running when the supernova went off. And so the, for the first time ever, someone was aimed at a supernova and caught it in the act of happening. Uh, this is the kind of the kind of weird stuff you can do. In a way, you're knowing the future. You're knowing what's going to happen. It gets worse. You take two of these images and you combine them with Wheeler's delayed choice experiment where you take photons from a distant quasar in this case. You have them follow two different paths and they're bent back together by a galaxy that's located in the right spot. You converge the two points and you get what's called a two-point interference pattern where the photons going around one side of the galaxy interfere with the photons going around the other side and you have uh, wave interference which is kind of like a Mori pattern. You ever look at somebody wearing stripes on a TV screen? Sometimes it does weird diagonal stripes and things. You get the same weird stuff when you combine light from two different sources. Now, you decrease the light intensity so only one photon goes around it at a time. If you put two detectors that detect whether it goes to the right side or the left side, it'll go tick on one side or tick on the other side. But if you put one sensor in the middle, you, you get these weird patterns of ticks that line up like the photon went around both sides of the galaxy at the same time. Well, what did it do? It turns out you get to choose. If you set up the two detectors, the photon billions of years ago will have chosen to go the way that your detectors are set up. It will go one way or the other, but not both. If you choose in the present to detect for both, it will have decided billions of years ago to go around both sides at the same time. This is the kind of uh, anti-temporal, uh, God has no relation to time. He's before and right. after. He can call the future. Okay. Well, we okay. can do so it I'm too. Gonna, I'm going to put this in some layman's terms for a oh, second. Oh, good. Right? I'll listen and see if I agree. Just so, just so no one listening is like, so basically we can't talk to these scientists? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well put. So, so I love, I love, because I've, I've heard, I remember literally talking to one of my uh, in-laws about this, who was literally like what we're basically saying. And he wanted to talk about God because he was saying exactly this, that it seems to have a personality. If you po point your, your detector or your camera or your lens or whatever, it will appear there, even though it happened billions of years ago, it will not appear in the other spot as if it's responding to our decisions in this time today, this supernova, whatever it is, is going to appear where we point the camera. And, um, and, and so this, see, this is unexplained, right, Don? Like we have no way of explaining this, correct? Well, I can tell you the different theories. There are a lot of theories. And one of them is the universe never chooses until it gets to your mind. And, there was a fellow at uh, Berkeley, they named a college after him, a philosopher from a few hundred years ago, who believed that there really was no universe. At the time, it was kind of a, a freak thought uh, that it all existed the in our heads. It all existed in, in some, like the Matrix, very much like the Matrix. Uh, that it only, 
existed conceptually. And at the time, people thought, well, I can prove that he's wrong, and they pick up a rock and drop it, and that's all the proof you need. In fact, he was logically tight. He was just a little ahead of his time. Yep. It's possible that we are God's thoughts, and God can do anything he wants anytime. He doesn't have to choose billions of years ago. He can choose now what happened billions of years ago, and he may just not have decided yet how it's going to happen back then. If you'll excuse my tangled tense there, uh, it's another no. theory. Right. I, I was literally just reading about one of the Greek philosophers, and I can't remember. You'll remember who it is. I was literally just reading where that was his whole thing, was all of every reality as we know it happens in our mind. And he well, was contemplating. Plato kind of did that with a shadow cave. Actually, yes. Socrates yes. was the person who had the discussion. So that may be who you're thinking about. No, it wasn't him because I know the cave very well. Okay. If, you guys have, yeah. if you guys have never, ever, that is one of the most brilliant explanations of spiritual enlightenment. I mean, I, I think it describes salvation. And of course, you know, Socrates was, was onto so much, which is why Paul quotes Plato at great length and Socrates. So, um, but you know, we're, we're running out of time. So I I'll feel just say this. I remember when I was getting into, you know, dabbling into quantum physics, just cause I found it so interesting. And I was like, so it's entirely possible that the earth was created or the universe was created billions of years ago and just a short time ago. <laughs> Why would you even days. want it to be? Yeah, I mean, I was like, both of those actually fit fine in quantum physics. Like, right. Well, yes and no. Uh, conceptually, yes. But in fact, the image that we are getting is of a four and a half billion year old earth and a 13.8 billion year old universe. So, if we are going to pick one of the numbers, we should go with the number that God is telling us. And that <clears throat> next question is, why does the Bible appear to say it was created in seven days? And the answer is simple. The word's translated incorrectly. Right, yeah. Mm, which is kind of what you were building up to in the first part of this about language and using uh -huh. antiquated Part language. of it, yeah. Which, okay, so unfortunately, we're out of time because we've got to end in about two minutes. But we've got you for two more weeks. So what I would love to do is to take that apart next time we're together, because that is one of the major conversations that comes up, scientists or no, that's going to be one of the first questions you're going to have about the Bible with someone who is giving pushback on it. So that's certainly you... one of them. There are all kinds of pushback. But... And Don, I've never told you this, but... You and I had a conversation at Refuge Long Beach one time where we got into a lot of, you know, age of the earth, theistic evolution, all that type of stuff. And I was actually able to use that with a buddy of mine to basically, you know, convert him to Christianity. Cool. Yeah, he came to Because I was like, look, I don't care if you believe in theistic evolution. I mean, here, here's how that would work or, you know, and so it was, it was based on that conversation that you and I had one time. Yeah. I can turn you into a theistic evolutionist if you would like. <laughs> I know you can. We knew you were a heretic. I knew it all those years ago. 25 years old, I called it. Woo! But it you was did. like I called it 25 years ago, but I also called it today to kind of bring that quantum <laughs> physics around. Uh -huh. but am I responding to what 
back then was I responding to what I knew today? I don't know. Anyways, it's too deep for me. But our guest today has been Don Stoner. Um, his book, Phenomenal, A New Look at, a, at an Old Earth. Uh, sorry, that I, I probably butchered Freudian that. slip. Yeah, sorry about that. But definitely check it out. And um, guys, thanks for joining us today. This has been the Church Planner Podcast. Oh, oh, the commercial is commercials. Hey, Pete. Uh, uh, yes, Peyton. Sermon boss, you need to use it. No, I'm teasing. All right. Hey, guys, if you want to get all of your things in one place at one time, all of your YouTubes, all your social media stuff, all your videos, all your sermons, everything you do, podcasts, go to sermonboss.com. They're going to help you have a plugin that's going to keep everybody, all the web page traffic that you get on your site. So go to sermonboss.com rather than shooting everyone out into the four corners of the universe like Don talked about today and getting them lost in cyberspace. Keep them where you're at, sermonboss.com. They'll help you do that. And while you're doing all of that, Sermon Boss and Pete, uh, this is why we don't do commercials together. The segue doesn't work. Uh, but while you're doing all this uh, quantum physics and quantum mechanics uh, learning, Pete, how do you get all of your church bookkeeping, IRS compliance needs. How do you get all that, Matt? You know, I'm glad you asked because I actually use simplifychurch.com. Simplifychurch.com? What's that, Pete? Simplifychurch.com. And I tell you, they take care of all my IRS compliancy, my payroll, my taxes. They do it all. Yeah, and we're talking about a team, at least I am right now, which means I'm going to drag Pete into it with me, a team up with Simplified Church. We freaking love Josh Henry over at SimplifiedChurch.com. He's a rad dude. You guys will love him. And thanks for joining us today. This has been Pete and Peyton reminding you, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music